Introducing The Step by Pop Sugar, a new podcast for and about unstoppable women. I'm stylist Kate Young, and in each episode, I sit down with some of today's most inspiring women. You know the ones we all look at and think, how does she do that? We'll uncover the powerful stories behind that pivotal step that started it all. This episode of The Step by Pop Sugar is presented by Sorel, making powerful footwear for unstoppable people. If I start this new chapter and I create this character that isn't really me, then then that person will be enough. People will love that person and she will succeed. The voice you just heard was the actress Nina Dobrev. You probably know Nina as Catherine Pierce on Vampire Diaries or as Mia Jones on Degrassi, Next Generation. Born in Bulgaria, raised in Toronto, and now living in LA, Nina is a multilingual, world-traveling woman. At just 30 years old, Nina is moving into a next decade phase of her career and life as an actress and producer. So Nina, we start each episode by asking, what does success look like to you now versus how you imagined it as a child? Whoa. Um, this is hard. You know, I didn't come from a famous family. I didn't wear nice clothes. We shopped at Salvation Army and like secondhand thrift stores. And it, we, I was never hungry. Like we were never starving, but we were always wanting. Mm-hmm. We didn't have very much. So I remember wanting material things. I wanted um, closets like my friends had with like new clothes mm-hmm. and I wanted to be able to rip the tag off of an actual article of clothing instead of like having it already been worn yeah. when I got when it got to me. So success was maybe things and a big mansion and cars, like it was right. all these like shitty material things that I yeah. But I think that's what most kids. I mean, that's it's a physical manifestation of success that yeah. we understand, right? Exactly. So, what does success look like now? Success right now looks like. I mean, it's still kind of tied to material things, but in a different way. Like I think of like a yacht in Europe mm. with my friends mm-hmm. and like living on a boat with my friends for a summer and spending the money on on an experience as opposed to like, I don't want a car anymore. I don't want right. like a mini mansion. I want to go on a trip with my friends and spend quality time with the people that I love. And I'm going to work enough to have enough time off to be able to do whatever I want and go wherever I want for as and long as I And not get your Louis Vuitton suitcase stolen. And not get my Louis Vuitton suitcase <laughs> stolen like it did last year, yes. <laughs> so if you grew up in this family where you didn't even really know what an actor was and um, nobody in your family is in show business, how did you start becoming an actress? Like how did that even happen? I was I had a lot of energy and I would make up stories. Like I would run into people. My mom tells me this story about how um, we were on a train traveling somewhere, and she fell asleep, and I was really little, and when she woke up, I was gone. Whoa. Yeah. And she started running up and down the train, opening the different um, trolleys, and, and eventually she found me, and I was sitting down next to some person, some stranger, deep in a conversation, and I was speaking in an English accent. and I had a different name and I had a different backstory and I like Mm -hmm. made up this fake life and from a very young age I was just like I loved pranking people or seeing how far I could go before being uncovered like that was Mm -hmm. just a hobby and I was just always performing one way or another Mm -hmm. and I it wasn't until 
uh, until high school when I had the option of going to the home school, which was near my house mm-hmm. that Mike Myers went to, coincidentally, actually. Mm-hmm. And I went to Wexford Collegiate School for the Arts, which is a school you had to audition for outside of my, my home school area. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking about what I love doing. And then I'm lucky because that the thing that I love became my career. Right. And how old were you when you first got on TV? 15. Oh, my God, just a baby. Yes and no. A lot of my friends started really young. Right. And had ties to the industry. Was Degrassi your first show? That was the first show, yeah. So because Degrassi is such a cult show, especially for Canadians, I'm interested how it shaped you. Drake was on Degrassi, right? Mm-hmm. Was it fun? Yeah, I mean, it was really exciting. My, it was my first big job. Yeah. It was so exciting. And, of course, so terrifying. Like, it was scary, and mm-hmm. I cringe when I watch it now. And I, my hair looked weird. I, like the, they, they, they curled my hair. <laughs> like, I look like Annie with brown hair. <laughs> it was cute, but it was awkward phase. Right. Yeah. But did you feel that way at the time? You probably thought you looked oh, cute I thought and I looked famous amazing. at the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I thought it was, like, <laughs> so hot and so cute and, like, Whoa, I've never looked better is what I thought at the time. I feel like that sort of leads me into another question I had for you, which is that you're you're in this world of Hollywood that body image and self-image is so warped. And being a Hollywood celebrity who's known for your body and how you look, how does that feel? Do you sometimes, like, see the pictures the way you saw yourself on Degrassi as a kid? I think it depends a lot on where I was in my life when the picture was taken. Um, Most of the time, no. I mean, I think that we're all our worst critics, Mm -hmm. and we all don't see the big picture objectively. We see, like, the little things that we hate about ourselves. Right. And I spent a big portion of my early 20s pretty insecure, Mm -hmm. but would never show it. So I would, I was like faking it until I made right. it. I like decided yeah. that like I would be confident. And even though I wasn't confident, I would pretend to be confident. And then people would believe that. It's so like that became my, my thing kind of. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's a lot of pressure. It's, it's funny because I don't perceive you as insecure ever. Like in our fittings or when we work together. I mean, I think it's changed. I've actually ironically become more confident. Mm-hmm. Like I used to be a lot skinnier and a lot prettier and like a lot mm-hmm. like perkier. That's debatable. Well, no, it's just it's 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 not. <laughs> I'm not even like mad about it or I'm not being harsh on myself. I'm just saying that like they that that's just what happens as you get older. You start to like slowly deteriorate, and that's part of life. But I think our perceptions of beauty are changing. If you look at American Vogue right now, there are like like. 12 women over 40 in this issue. That's amazing. As models, like with big campaigns. And I was like, oh, it's changing. Like that's still Which attractive. Which is great. It's, it's time yeah. for it to change. And and that's uh, that's kind of what I'm about to talk about is just mm. that like I used to wear so much makeup in mm-hmm. my early 20s. I used to obsess over like the perfect outfit and the perfect tailoring and the perfect, like everything had to be perfect. Mm-hmm. I had this idea that like I had to be perfect, otherwise I would be a failure. Mm-hmm. And I, and obviously I now know that perfection is, it doesn't exist. Like there's no such thing as perfection. So I was always chasing this, this ideal, 
this unrealistic expectation for myself that I could never achieve. Right. I think with your Instagram, a lot of what uh, I think is alluring about your Instagram is that you post a perfect picture and then you make a funny comment that's Mm. self-deprecating and it makes you seem a little imperfect and that's so much more appealing. It's so much easier to be yourself Mm-hmm. It takes so much less energy, and then you have so much more energy to to spend on love or yeah. friends or laughter, and that's so much more fulfilling. And it just right. like so. This podcast is about pivotal steps in women's lives, and I, I'm really interested in what you just said, which is like when you were younger, you had much less less self acceptance, and there was a pivot for you where you're like, I'm just going to be who I am. Mm. and accept things the way they are and feel confident in that. Um, and I'm I'm interested if, if you think it's just age, if it's just growing up and getting used to it, or do you think there was something that happened or was there a moment that you were like feeling horrible about something and you just decided that you weren't going to allow yourself that anymore? There's been so many moments. I don't think it is one moment. I mean, there are there are moments that are bigger than others, but in my case... There have been multiple, and it's so hard to choose one because I've changed so much over the years, mm-hmm. and there's so many reasons for that, both positive changes and negative yeah. changes that have influenced me. Yeah. I mean, one big one, actually, is my parents' divorce mm-hmm. and that my upbringing or, like, my idea of my upbringing, even though I wasn't, like, it, my mom loved me. We had food on the table. Like, right. it wasn't, but I, I was always comparing myself to the my friends and like what they had and how I didn't have enough. Like that was my idea. And so I think my obsession with the perfection once I started my career stems from trying to start fresh and trying Mm. to abandon that, like that feeling of youth that when I felt like it wasn't enough and I wasn't enough. And I I was like, if I start this new chapter and I'm perfect and I have this and that and, and like I create this character that isn't really me, yeah. Then, then that person will be enough and people will love that person and she will succeed. I mean, this is such a good metaphor for social media right here. Kind of, yeah. I mean, I think it must be really hard to be young, uh, to be a teenager now and not just being, not just comparing yourself to your friends and their closets and their families, but all the people you follow on social media. Oh, it's even harder now, yeah. That's what, I mean, it just has to be crazy. Instagram started right around when I started working. Oh. In the States. And I definitely feel like that had a part of, of like shaping that, what we spoke about earlier. Yeah. But I think a lot of people whose Instagrams you look at, who seem to be living the ideal life, are doing exactly what you're saying. They're creating this, this alternate reality that's perfect. How do you avoid that? Do you feel that when you're, when you're looking through Instagram? Do you get that like, oh, I wish I was on that vacation. I wish. Yes, it's, it's unavoidable. Like everyone goes through it. And it sucks, especially for kids now. Like when I was in high school, if somebody had a party and I wasn't invited, I didn't know about it. Right. Now, if someone has a party and you don't get invited, you take it so personally. And you're like, yeah. what's wrong with me? I must be, they must not like me. Right. I'm I'm flawed. No one will love me. Like, it, it makes people spiral. So it's understandable. I don't know. I, I, I'm i all about not having likes on Instagram because there was that whole debate at one yeah. point. I think it's, they don't serve a purpose. It's a popularity contest. Like, yeah. why, why? I hadn't really given it much thought. It just, it hurts people more than it helps people. So that's why yeah. I think 
It's not necessary. Maybe like the person can see who liked their photos, but why does everyone else have to see how many people liked the other person's photos? Yeah. And one thing that makes me so angry about Instagram and Twitter and Facebook accounts is a lot of the time if I am political or I talk about women's rights or gun laws or whatever it might Mm -hmm. be, however I feel, despite the fact that we all are entitled to our opinion, Mm -hmm. the comment that I get the most that makes me the angriest is... You're an actor, stay in your lane. <gasps> really? Yeah. And I'm like, just because someone that- didn't write this line for me doesn't mean I can't say it. Mm. This is my opinion. You, you're okay. I'm okay for you to have your opinion and disagree with me. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that I shouldn't be able to speak my mind. Um, so we're about to go to break. but And I want to talk more about what it's like to be a woman in Hollywood in this current era Um, But before we go to break, I'd love to ask you a question that we're asking everyone, which is what are five things that you do each day to stay positive, grounded, motivated? Five things. Yeah, five things. What if there are four or six? I mean, then you can add toothbrushing. Am I going to break your model? (laughs) (laughs) Am I going to completely destroy the format? um, What do I do? I mean, before I broke my toe... I would work out. That mm-hmm. makes me feel good. Um, and you do dancey workouts mostly? That's your favorite, right? I do all kinds of different things, but that one's the most fun. I walk my dog, which, believe it or not, is is a pick-me-up in a way because it gets my creative juices flowing, and it's for someone else, but it also helps me too. And it's outside. Oh, you know what? This one's fun. Um, every night when I go to bed, I set my alarm with mm-hmm. whatever the next day is. So when I went to the Dior show in Paris, every morning I would wake up to, j'adore Dior. And then if that's not enough, if I'm having an extra hard time waking up, I will also, on my Sonos at home, put on, I have a playlist, like a upbeat mm-hmm. playlist, and I'll just blast it in the house. And I'll get up and I'll like make my coffee and make my shake and I'll just be like bobbing away. And like there's yeah. no way to wake up in a bad mood when you have like journey in the background. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back with more from actress Nina Dobrev. As I've mentioned, Sorel is our partner for this series. I've always been a huge fan of their strong, supportive, and fashionable footwear. I think each woman in this series can agree that the more supportive your footwear is, the more powerful you feel. Check out their new fall styles at Sorel.com. Welcome back to The Step by Pop Sugar. I'm stylist Kate Young, and we are back with Nina Dobrev. I've been wanting to ask you what it's like to be a woman in Hollywood right now in this Me Too moment. It's different and yet exactly the same, but has it's more of an energy thing, mm-hmm. for me at least. Um, I've always felt frustrated by the way things are, and somewhat helpless thinking that nothing's ever going to change and it's always going to be the same but I, but I would still like push back like I was always mm-hmm. kind of outspoken and hard-headed and if I thought something wasn't right on set I, I would speak up but it wouldn't always win right um and I definitely got in trouble for it and was Did called you? bitchy or difficult difficult and things like that um and did a fear of that ever stop you from saying anything Yes and no. I think I, I, I learned to pick and choose my battles. Yeah. Um, but 
I think I was just as surprised as everyone when it did actually like come to a head in a positive way. Mm-hmm. And it's made me feel more confident to to stand up for what I believe in. And and I and I feel like people are starting to actually listen now in a way that they didn't. Like we're being taken seriously finally. What about you? Have you seen a difference on your end? I'm, my experience of this is so strange because I've chosen an industry where most of the women are powerful. You know, it's not a male, do- a straight male-dominated industry. There have been moments, for sure, where I've I've felt like my voice wasn't taken seriously by some sort of like strong, powerful older man. But for the most part, I only worked for women. I work with women all the time. Most of the men in fashion that I come across love women. That's why they're in fashion, mm-hmm. you know. So it, I think I I were I chose an industry that's a little bit outside of the norm. Have you ever been me tooed by a woman? No, but I think what you said brought up a question, uh, which is: Is there a difference between women and women interacting on set? Are we becoming more respectful as humans of of other people's boundaries now in a professional situation? I had heard about the stereotype that women hate women and mm-hmm. they don't support one another, but that hasn't been my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing, I think social media has made other women much kinder to other women in a lot of ways. Like people are really like, oh, that's great. It's so great you're doing that. And and like real cheerleaders for each other in a way that I didn't feel 10 years ago. I agree with that 100%. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that before it used to be all about magazines, right? Mm-hmm. And so it would just be a curated, one person's curated opinion that we would all consume. Mm-hmm. And now, like, you you put out your content and the image, and then you also give it a story, and you talk about whatever it is mm-hmm. that you're feeling or thinking or want to go along with it, and then people can comment on your story and your experience. So it's like a more interactive experience. So maybe people were supporting each other and being cheerleaders on the side, but we just didn't know it. Right. Or maybe they were talking shit to each other and we didn't know it. (laughs) Right. There's no way of really knowing that. But um, from my experience, I I found that, like, if I support other people and I'm happy for them, then they will be supportive and happy for me. And, like, having you feel good. Yeah, it makes you feel good. It's energy at the end of the day. If you have, like, a positive energy towards something – it's infectious and people want to be around that positive energy. It's true. So like I gravitate towards other people that are also happy and positive and yeah. supportive. And like I've over the years have deleted the negative people and and, and just like I, f- I feel like it's um like Mario Brothers. You just get the coins. I'm just I'm like <laughs> collecting coins <laughs> on my yeah. Super Nintendo for the last 15 years. And I've got a great... Got a great little bank in there. Yeah. Of friendships. Well, maybe that's how you got a little more comfortable too. Comfortable confidence because you have people around you who are being kind. Kind and, and real. Nice. And real more than anything. Yeah. Because yeah. like that doesn't mean you have to surround yourself around people that are just like, yes, you're beautiful. You're perfect. You're so smart. You're so great. No, yeah. it's like if you make a mistake, you want to be around people that will call you out as well. Right. So that you don't yeah. make that mistake again or so that you know that you made a mistake because you might unintentionally make a mistake. You're human. You will make mistakes. Yeah. It circles back to what you said earlier about having people who challenge you. Yes. Yeah. And then and being okay with my flaws and, mm-hmm. and understanding that everyone has them oh, and embracing so hard, them. though. Ugh. In the moment, for sure. 
But it ultimately makes you stronger. Mm -hmm. You become better because of it. You become less flawed as yeah. soon as you find out your flaw. Um, I'm really curious about Sick Girl. I heard when we, we were doing this podcast that you executive produced this upcoming film. And I don't know anything about it. <laughs> tell me about it. <laughs> I'm very excited to tell you about it. So it's uh, it's the first of many things that I've been cooking. I've been producing a lot and writing a lot for myself. And it was born out of a frustration for the the roles that were coming to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I have to say, like, one of your other clients was, a, was kind of an inspiration to me. Um, maybe might be considered a pivot. <laughs> <laughs> but when I found out that Margot was like producing her own things and like mm -hmm. she produced I, Tanya and yeah. she won an, she won an nominated for an Oscar nominated nominated for an Oscar <laughs> <laughs> um, like there's power in that like totally the, the, the whole like this whole s identity at the beginning of like not feeling like I was good enough or had to be a certain way in order to get this person's approval to get that role, to do that thing. It's just like such a exhausting process mm -hmm. that the moment I realized after I left the show and had more time to do this kind of stuff, the moment I realized that I could find a story that I wanted to tell and find the, surround myself around the people that know how to tell really good stories and that I could learn from. Yeah. We could make whatever I wanted. Right. If I wanted to be in Steven Spielberg's next period film, but Steven wouldn't see me or whatever it might be, like I, I could create the opportunities that other people haven't seen me do yet. And yeah. the truth of the matter is, like once you do something, you get pigeonholed. So like, did a vampire show? Everybody gives me all the vampire things. If how do it, you resist? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and I actually do understand it. I do understand yeah. it because, like now that I'm on the other end. We're casting the movie that I'm producing, mm -hmm. and I think of, of course, like if there's a, actually Margo's a little bit of a different story because she can do everything, um, and and you've seen her do every different genre. But like, um, let's say Dakota, right? Yeah, she has a lot of range. So I'm not going to say that she doesn't, but let's think of let's isolate Fifty Shades of Grey, for example. Right. She played this like ingenue, beautiful, innocent character. Yeah. So, like, if I'm doing a movie where I'm th there's a lead role who's a, that description, I'll be yeah. like, Dakota, duh. Yes. Right? So we all do it, but it's helped me create my own destiny mm -hmm. instead of wait for somebody else to dictate my destiny. I think that's what success means to you, <laughs> circling you. back to our earlier question. I'll take it. <laughs> but, right? Yeah. That yeah. control is just... Yeah, I'm a control freak. <laughs> I find it, that's like the hardest, hardest thing about being in your early 20s is that you're so smart and well-educated and ambitious when you're in your early 20s and you rarely have the power or the voice that someone, anyone will hear or take seriously to, to do what your ideas are and mm -hmm. to have any control over that. And I think that's the beauty of like you turn 30 and somehow – You've got enough experience that you can actually make things happen a lot of the time. That's true. Or at least the rest of the world gives you permission to suddenly. Because yeah. now you're 30, so you sound more mature. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like it's it's unusual year when you're 20 for people to really hear you and make it happen. I mean, they're, like Lena Dunham did that amazing thing when she was 20. 
but there are, there are exceptions. But usually, I think it takes a while. Exactly. Well, that's what. So that's just to bring it back to Sick Girl. Like that's what this one's really exciting because it's a massive labor of love. It's a super indie movie that we shot in two weeks. Cool. Very very short shoot because we didn't have a lot of money, and um, every single person that was there wanted to be there. Like we weren't getting a payday by any means. It was what she sick with. Let me read the logline. Okay, Sick Girl is a female driven comedy centered around Ren Pepper, who is my character, who feels that she and her friends have grown apart. A simple white lie from Ren begins to tear that community apart, taking them all on an unexpected ride. So the, the twist is the lie that right. I don't want to expose right now. But it's it's a female-driven movie with a ensemble of all females mostly, and the director is a first-time female writer-director. And, and a character you were excited to be. Yeah, it's the character that I, I mean, I've never gotten to play something like this. I'm I'm a disaster of a human being. I'm extremely flawed. I'm 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 dirty. I'm ugly. Mm-hmm. I'm stripped down and just like raw in a way that I haven't had the chance to be in ever. That sounds fun. So it's fun. It was really, really fun. Okay. So we ask this on every podcast. If you could gather together five inspiring, unstoppable women for a dinner, who would you choose? Ooh, this is fun. <laughs> I can't tell if you're going to love or hate this. I think you're going to love it because it's basically going to be all of your friends slash clients. <laughs> Amazing. That'll be so fun. Um, Margot Robbie. I don't know her that well. I've hung out with her a few times, but in the few times that I've hung out with her, she's so self-deprecating, fun. And um, Jennifer Lawrence is also super, from what I understand, I don't know her that well either, but um, just so unapologetically herself and honest and brutally blunt in the best, most hilarious way from what I've seen. Michelle Obama. Every single person has said Michelle Obama. Really? Well, I don't want to be like everyone else. Can we just get her on the podcast? (laughs) No. I mean, She's the best person to have to a dinner party, right? I mean, what do you know? Have you ever had dinner with her? No, I want to. Okay, let's do it. Let's just call <laughs> her up. Can we say dead people? People that aren't sure. deceased? Audrey Hepburn? Just, I have so many questions. <laughs> really? I just, I, her life is so fascinating to me, and I'm so weirdly obsessed with her that I, I just, that would be a dream. One more, one more, one more, one more. Well, you would have to be there, obviously. <laughs> I'm Thank not kicking you. you out. I accept the invitation. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Before you go, we want to play our favorite game here at The Step. It's called Step Forward or Step Back. In each episode, we pose a rapid-fire round of real-life dilemmas to our unstoppable women and get your quick take on whether you would step forward into the situation or step back. Ready? Okay. You're offered a dream role, but it involves extreme nudity. Do you step forward and trust that your acting will lead or step back and set a boundary you're comfortable with. This is a sore subject because this was one of the things I wrote down as my pivotal moments, actually. And I wasn't sure if I wanted to talk about it, but fate has it. Here we are. Um, I, at the age of 20, right after I left Degrassi, um, was meant to test, it was, I think, between me and one other girl, to fly to New York to meet with Martin Scorsese for Boardwalk Empire. Mm-hmm. In the same week, I had to test for Vampire Diaries. And I had to choose. I couldn't do both. And 
Ultimately, I ended up turning down the Martin Scorsese opportunity because of nudity. Wow. Yes. But I now regret it. (laughs) (laughs) Because it was one of those things, and this is going to be like super vain and stupid, and it's meant to be a joke kind of, but not really. 20-year-old perky boobs versus 30-year-old perky boobs? Oh, you want to see your boob, your 20-year-old boobs on camera. Like, if I was going to do it, I should have done it then. And now, I think because I'm older, I kind of just don't care. So I would probably still do it. Because it's if it's the dream role, if it's the mm-hmm. right director, if it's mm-hmm. the right script, so many things have to fall into line to make that happen. But, yeah, I guess I'd do it. Okay. You don't have to explain for these. You just have to say I back know, I or forward to, ready. I know, I just wanted to. It was eating me alive. I had great. to get it out. I had, that to was tell great. You. I had to tell you, Kate. You need to go. You're, You're working on a project. <laughs> oh, she said. I'm joking. You're working on a project with a close girlfriend, and you find out she's making a much higher rate than you. Do you step forward and address it with her, or step back, preserve the peace of friendship? I think I would prefer, uh, pre- I mean, of course I would preserve the peace of friendship. Mm-hmm. You would step back. I would step back and then I would step forward behind the scenes to whoever was producing or paying both of us and <laughs> cause a stink with our lawyers. <laughs> Great I wouldn't answer. get the friendship involved, no. You're seeing someone new very casually and the paparazzi snaps pictures of the two of you calling him your new boyfriend. Do you step forward and correct the rumor on social media or step back and let the internet run its course? I always step back and let the internet run its course when it comes to personal matters. It's none of their business. (laughs) Nina, thank you so much for being on the show. We close each episode by asking our unstoppable woman, that's you. (laughs) What makes you unstoppable? (laughs) Um, first of all, my pleasure. I'm so excited to have done this with you. Um, what makes me unstoppable? Um, my constant desire to discover and grow. Because I don't, I mean, like, if I didn't care completely, then I wouldn't continue to achieve things. Because yeah. I wouldn't, like, it, it, just wanting to learn more and get better and grow and be the best version of myself makes me unstoppable because I will never stop until I get to the best version of me. Thank you for listening to The Step by Pop Sugar. A huge shout out to our sponsor, Sorel, making powerful footwear for unstoppable people. You can find The Step by Pop Sugar at popsugar.com, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and share with friends and tune in next week.